share the word. Are you guys ready for the Bible this morning? Yes. All right. We're in this series called Before I Go. And I'll explain what that means in just a moment. But let me open up with John 14, 2, and then we're going to pray. John 14, 2, this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. He says, my father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? Let's pray. Father, we love you and we honor you and we thank you for this opportunity and this day that you have given us. To worship you and to honor you. God, we're so thankful for who you are. We believe in your ability to speak to us and to speak to our circumstances and speak to our lives. And what I love about it, Father, is you speak to us in the now. And the now of what's going on in your lives. So, Lord, quicken your word and make it powerful in our hearts and our lives. We are open to hearing what you want to say to every one of us. I pray for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit. God, to share what's in your heart today. We appreciate your word. We appreciate you. Speak to us, Lord. Your servants are listening. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Amen. In this series, before I go, we're looking at these scriptures in John chapter 14 through 17, where Jesus is having conversations with his disciples. And these conversations are happening right before he's going to go to the cross and give his life. Now, the disciples have heard Jesus say, I'm going to die, but they haven't really put the puzzle pieces together. And it's kind of like he says, I'm going to die. He's like, yeah, sure, whatever. We're all going to die kind of thing. You know, like they're not really putting it together. He's like, no, it's like they're coming like they're coming for me. And he has these last words. And so we're kind of calling it before I go these words that he shared. And the first uh, message that we shared a few weeks ago, we talked about how he's at the Last Supper having this meal uh, where he's about to become the fulfillment and give his life. And at dinner, he literally stands up, puts, takes off his outer robe and puts it around him. And he goes and he washes each of the disciples' feet right before he's about to go give his life on the cross. He's watching their, washing their grime, grimy feet. And he's walking around serving them. And he looks at them and he says, listen, no student is greater than their master. And if I'm your master and I am glorified like this and, and I am who I am and I can get down and wash my, your feet, go and do likewise. And so one of the before I go statements, one of the things that he taught them right before he left was, listen, you're never too great to serve. And any greatness I bring into your life is so that you can serve and be a blessing to others. Last week in part two, we talked about the Holy Spirit. And, uh, you know, as a spirit-filled, charismatic church, we uh, like to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But we were very disciplined and focused on the comfort, the counselor, and how Jesus said to them, listen, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan, but that I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And even though I won't physically be with you, you're going to sense my closeness and you're going to hear my voice because of the Holy Spirit. He's going to remind you of what I've said and how he sent the Holy Spirit to be this great comfort to us. Counselor. An advocate. This week we're going to talk about heaven. One of the things that Jesus spoke to them about is heaven. And I, I want to read with you starting in John chapter 14 verses 1 through 3 this time. And this is what Jesus says to him. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, you all got to catch this. In that moment, their hearts probably weren't troubled. Because <laughs> they're with Jesus. They're having a good time with him. He knows he's about to go give his life. And he's saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Isn't he so smart how he can prepare you for what's in front of you? He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. 
If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and I will take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know, Jesus is about to make eternal life possible. He's about to give his life on the cross for our sins so that we don't have to pay for all the things that we've done wrong in life. And he's going to beat death by resurrecting from the dead and prove that he has power and authority over death. And he knows all of this is coming. But in that moment, he takes the time, which I think it's so generous of Jesus, to comfort his disciples when he's about to be tortured. Isn't that generous? He's like, let me take care of you when really we should be taking care of him. He says, my father's house has many rooms. You want to know what many rooms looks like over to Miss Maisie's house? They just finished the, the, the addition over there and, and uh, it has many rooms. Hallelujah. Right. So and they're filling it up this week. This house, when it says my father's house, it's very interesting because the, the word for house here is like house, home, dwelling, residence. They're all intentionally kind of like, it's like a warm feel, um, an intimate term, my father's house, like household, um, which is interesting because most of the time when scripture talks about heaven, it's in very grandiose terms. It's like talking about heaven like streets of gold and the, the gloriousness of heaven. But here in the moment that Jesus is comforting, he talks about a home. This intimate place. And the reason is is because he's comforting them. You know, the concept of home. Uh, I've been in a lot of your homes over the years. And it's neat how people take a structure and make it a home. My home is kind of like O'Hare Airport, it feels like sometimes. Just people coming and going. I got drivers on a car. You know, people want to come and buy a car at my place because there's so many cars in the, in the, in the driveway. And I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you know, it, it, is, it, is, it is busy and there's a lot of activity, but it's home. Last night we laid around and watched the Grinch. Christmas in July at the Hennigans. We're just, you know... We're just, you know, doing it. Do it. We, we missed it over the Christmas, so we're just like, you know, let's watch the Grinch. So we're all laying around each other on the in, in the living room watching the, the Grinch and, you know, just enjoying our home. And, you know, there's something about home that is very precious. We build this place and it becomes our home and a sanctuary, if you will. But do you know that as much as you have made your house a home and you make it that place for you and for your family, it's temporary. And your father's house, your father's house is going to be an eternal home. Isn't that a beautiful concept? As much as you've done great with your home, making it a home, there is going to be this place in heaven. Elizabeth and I, when we were on vacation, um, I really wanted to go to one of these Disney resorts. Not to stay there, just to go see it. Because I hear about these places. I've never seen it. We went to the Grand Floridian. You want to talk about, mm, I mean, it was, we were walking up to it and I said, 
Elizabeth, do you think heaven's like this? I mean, there wasn't a blade too high of grass. I mean, the place was perfection. And they have these different Disney resorts. And so I started to ask Elizabeth, I said, do you think like where your home in heaven is, do you think like it kind of fits your culture and who you are? Because they've got like an ultra modern resort. They've got the Grand Floridian, which just feels like, oh my word. You know, it's like, I thought, what is it like? I don't know, but I know it's good. And I know it feels like home. And I know it's a home that isn't temporary. Isn't that a beautiful concept? That there is this home for you. Now, I'm watching in these scriptures what Jesus is doing. He's preparing these disciples for his torture and for his departure. And... He does these amazingly smart things. He, he trues them to the fact that, hey, you are called to serve. These, these disciples, um, 11 of them, are going to become quite prominent. And they're going to become uh, quite popular, if you will. And he's saying you're never above serving. Always serve and serve one another. He's, he's really smart. And then he, he creates these anchors for them. One of the anchors he gives them is in the present, even though he's physically going to be gone. We talked about this last week. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so you won't feel orphaned. You're going to have the Holy Spirit. It's like you're going to hear my voice in your heart and in your head because the Holy Spirit's going to remind you of what I said. It's like this anchor in the present. And now he's talking about, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my father's house. And it's an anchor eternity and it's like the Lord is creating these these two anchors for us to secure us in him so that we know in the now and in the present we have him he is not far he will never leave us he will never forsake us and yet it just gets better in eternity what beautiful anchors I want to look at a few scriptures that the Apostle Paul wrote. And you know, Paul, um, he wrote about heaven in a few different places. And normally when we read some of these scriptures, you only hear them in funerals. We don't have a funeral today. We ain't planning a funeral today. Amen. But Paul was a great leader in the, in the New Testament church. And he, he came to Jesus after Jesus had died and rose from the dead and gone into heaven. And you can read about his conversion to accept Jesus in Acts chapter 9. He went from persecuting and harassing the church to building God's church. It's quite an amazing story. And he became such a leader that he would write these letters to these churches. And a lot of them became New Testament books of the Bible. Paul, in his journey of serving Jesus, he suffered a lot. He suffered a lot of persecution. Physically, he suffered a torture. He was beaten many times. He was imprisoned for his faith. And so it's important for us to remember that when we read in the books that he authored, when we read about suffering, he ain't talking about a headache. Yeah. You know, sometimes we go, I'm having such a hard day and I'm suffering just like Paul did. Well, well, you can apply what he says about suffering to your need. But keep in mind that his suffering was probably a lot greater than what we normally receive. Right. So it's just good to kind of keep apples and oranges. And I, I don't mean to diminish the real suffering that we have. But I always like in Scripture to look at the context of what they were writing from and then apply it to the context that I'm living in. Right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he has this 
conversation that he starts in verse 18. And he's talking about heaven. And here's where we're going to pick it up. The, the words will be on the screen. By the way, we're going to read a lot of Bible today. And we're just going to say that's okay since we're in church to read a lot of scripture today. Okay? It's probably going to be the best thing said of the day anyhow. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed... We have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. So that. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for every purpose is God. Who has given us his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Isn't it beautiful how Paul even points to the anchor of the Holy Spirit in the present. As a deposit, as a guarantee of the inheritance to come. Isn't that cool? Jesus did that by saying, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Paul says, the Holy Spirit that you have is that anchor and that guarantee, that that, that thing in you that says, yes, there is an inheritance for me in heaven. It's a beautiful thing. You know, Paul, he's looking past what is seen in the natural and what is temporary. And he's looking to the unseen and to the eternal. And as soon as you start to look to the unseen, that is where faith takes over. Because faith sees what you cannot see. You believe in Jesus. You believe he died on the cross. Not because you saw it, but because you heard it and you believed it to be true in your heart and your mind. And you came to know, yes, this is very true and it has impacted my life. And he speaks about this natural body. I love how the words that he used. He speaks of the natural body as a tent, um, which is a tent is temporary. Doesn't last forever. Yet, he says that there is a building from God, an eternal house in heaven. What a great comparison. Right now, I've got this temporary place. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I am looking forward to the upgrade. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we are looking forward to it. I mean, thank you, Jesus, for this earth suit. But we get an upgrade because you can't take this, this earth suit into heaven. Hallelujah. Some of us are like, yes. Yes. We're going to get to heaven and be like, really? That's you? No way. Oh, he did good by you. He did really. Hold that back when you're in heaven. Anyhow. He says, he says, for now, we groan and we are burdened. And there's this desire to be clothed with something eternal, something that is indestructible. And what Paul is doing is he's identifying with the real suffering that does occur on earth. And y'all, life can be hard. Uh, If you have lived long enough, you've experienced that we live in a broken world and avoiding Hard things in life is not something that you can do. Um, 
Yet the Lord is our, our comfort and he is our source through everything we go through. And you know, the reality is, in front of you in life, there are some good things still in store for you. And I don't say this to discourage. There are probably some hard things in front of you in life. It's the reality of being in a broken world. So how do we... How do we work with that? Well, first thing is you need to in, you need to believe in life that while life can be hard, sometimes people will put that into life is hard, like it's an eternal sentence, like everything is life. And the reality is Jesus is good and God is good and he came to give us life and life to the full. Amen. So when I say God has good things in front of you, there should be something in you that goes, Amen. God has good things in front of you. You've got to believe that and own that. The reality that life has hard things in front of you, you can amen that a little quieter. Amen. Yeah. We, ain't, we ain't going for it. But, so how do you handle that? Well, the good stuff, enjoy it. Sometimes good things come into your life. And you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're like, yeah, this burger at the 4th of July is good, but I'm probably going to find out something bad from the doctor tomorrow. You know, it's like, you just, like your mind is so used to the hard that you're just waiting for that report. Mm -hmm, I knew it. I knew it was coming, right? Don't do that. Enjoy the good stuff. Enjoy the things that God has put in your life. Just don't worship the good stuff. Worship God. If you live life trying to make sure it's all the good stuff, you ain't living in reality. But you should enjoy the good stuff. And rejoice in it. And honor God. And thank Him for it. And you know what's wild is in life? You can be going through the good stuff and going through some tough stuff. And it can all be intermingled. And you're like, how is that even possible? That's life. So what do you do with the tough stuff? Well, the reality is the Lord is with you. He knew it was coming. He's gone before you. He has the grace that you need. And he has overcome and he will bring you through to victory. That's why our trust and our faith is in him. And you know what we need to do during the tough stuff is we need to worship him through it. Just like we would worship and honor God through the good stuff. You got to worship him through the tough stuff. But the good stuff in the Lord is the really good stuff. Yeah. I love that scripture in Proverbs where it says the Lord blesses and he adds no sorrow to it. Isn't that a beautiful statement? It's like he just blesses. There's no like flip the coin. It's like, well, but, you know. No, he just blesses. He's good at it. There's no yeah, but with God's blessing. You know, eternity with the Lord is an anchor it's a hope. And when I say hope, I mean like an expectation. And it's this thing that is really, really good. And what Paul is doing is he's explaining that, listen, yes, there is groaning. And yes, there is tough things in life. And yes, there are some things that we go. But we have an even greater hope than even in the life that we're in. And that greater hope is in eternity. So let's look at what he continues to say. Second Corinthians verse five, verse six is this. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Anybody ever hear that in a sermon at a funeral? Yeah, that's a common one, right? When we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. 
We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him. Whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. So that each of us may receive what is due us. The things done while in the body. Whether good or bad. You know we've heard this. Normally you hear this sermon or part of it. In a funeral. Praise God we ain't at a funeral today right. We're, we're in the midst. And if you've just been to a funeral. Well, then God's got an addendum for you. He's just adding on to the message. It's a really neat picture because the picture of this as far as being home in the body, it's not like the one that I talked about before. The word home there, when it says that our father's house or home is that, again, intimate place. Here, when it's talking about it, it's, when it says being home in the body, it's this picture of you dwelling in your fleshly body. Did you know that you will trade this verse in it? Right. We won't take it with us. Right. And so he's saying, listen, I would rather instead of dwelling in this earthly body. Some of us are really getting excited. We're like, yeah, I will be dwelling with the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah. So he says, so we make it our goal to please him. What a beautiful statement. And he says, because I know someday I'm going to face the judgment seat of Christ and I'm going to receive what is due for my deeds, good or bad. And, you know, when you hear that phrase, receive good or bad and facing the judgment seat of Christ, we tend to like hear that statement and interpret it from a wide pendulum. Let me tell you what I mean. For some of us who are very hard and critical of ourselves, all of a sudden you have this dread come on you and you're like, I will never measure up. I'll never be able to do it. I'll never be. It's like you, know, you got the test from the teacher and they hand it back and all you see is red marks. And you're just like, golly day. I just know when I face him, he's not going to be happy with me. I don't even know why I try. I'm, like, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to prophesy or pull you, pull your thoughts out. But some of us were hard on ourselves like that. Right. And. I'm going to tell you where I think you should be in just a moment. On the other side, some of us, you know, and I don't mean, I'm not saying this to beat you up. Some of us can be so selfish and so self-centered that it's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. I just, you know, this life is mine. I'm going to do with it as I please. And it's kind of like one or the other. I think what God is asking for you. So when you turn your life over to him, he wants you to be and do what he's called you to be and do. And the measure of that is like the parable of the talents in Matthew 25, where he gave talents, he gave abilities, he gave, he gave, uh, the talents were like a financial thing in this story, this parable. But it was whether or not they were faithful to do something with it that mattered. And all that God, I think, is really asking of you is, will you give of yourself to what he has asked you to be and do? And that's just saying yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus. I will do and be what you've called me to be. And when I face you, I will receive from you per how I have done that. Does that make sense to you? He's not talking about salvation. Salvation is by grace. It's a gift from God. He's talking about just how you steward your life. And the right concept of it is my life is yours. I want to do and be what you've called me to be. Amen.
And so I want to look at another scripture of Paul's, and this one's in Philippians, which Philippians is a much shorter book. And so Paul's comments about heaven are a lot shorter, and it's more like um, having a a multivitamin. Like, oh, there's a lot in just a couple verses, right? In Philippians 1.21, it says this. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I go on living in this body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. And he goes on to say, but he knows he should serve the Lord. And this concept of, hey, while I'm on earth, what it means is fruitful labor to the Lord. That I can bear fruit for him. And in your season of life, it doesn't matter whether you're 8 or 88. There is a fruitful labor you can do from, for the Lord in serving Him and just being who you, He's called you to be and being the influence that He's called you to be. Amen? It's fruitful labor. I, I don't know if you all know this, but y'all, heaven is much better by far, is what Paul is saying. And you see, Paul, in some of these writings, he's getting closer to heaven than he'd ever been before. And he's coming to this revelation and this understanding that he's about to give up his life for Jesus. And so he's looking at it going, you know what? When I pass away, when I fall asleep, when I die, I'm going to cross over to something that's much better by far. And he has this revelation in his heart. I have sat with people who were ready to go to heaven. And I mean they were ready. I don't mean they were just suffering and they just decided to throw in the towel. I mean like they were ready to go to heaven. And I've seen people just get giddy about getting to heaven. You ever seen anybody like that? Where they're just like, it's going to be so good. And what Paul has is this revelation that it's better by far. I'll tell you the story and you may laugh at me and I'm okay with that. Um, In my... 30s, early 30s, about 32, 33, I was having some time where I was just spending a lot of time reflecting and talking to the Lord about heaven and considering heaven, which 30s is a little early for that, but I, you know, I was just really thinking about it. I didn't mean like I needed to be there tomorrow, but I was considering like, what will it be like in heaven? And I know all of y'all want me to tell you the architecture of heaven. All, all I can tell you is the streets are gold. I, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> We're not going into all of that. But you're going to be with Jesus. That's what matters, right? But I was considering and I was thinking about how amazing it's going to be to be in heaven. And having that sense of security, which the Holy Spirit in your life is supposed to give you that sense that, yes, in, in eternity, I have a home in heaven. It's this beautiful thing that's to secure us here in the now, right? And I'm concerned. I'm praying about it. And, We went on a a youth retreat. We took the teenagers down to um, this immersed conference down in Atlanta. Back then, Pastor Chris was intern Chris, and it was uh, and it was that's where uh, Pastor Leah met Pastor Chris and brought him home to glory here in Virginia. Um, (laughs) Our son. Um, So we were down there, and I remember exactly where I was standing. And we were having this amazing worship service with all these teenagers. It was glorious. Worshiping God. And I had this conversation. This is after me having these thoughts about heaven for a while. And I said, I was like, Lord, 
I just, I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for my life. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for this church that you've called me to see, serve. And I can see my life in front of me. And, and I'm just looking forward to serving you in this place and serving my family and coming home to you. I don't know about you, but I think that's a pretty good prayer. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. I remember it so clearly and speaking to my heart and mind and just saying, do you want what you want or do you want what I want? And I was kind of like, excuse me? I, you know, I want to say, that was beautiful. Right? It was articulate. It was precious. And the Lord said to me, he says, do you want what you want or do you want what I want? See, what happened was in me, there was a settledness about heaven that was healthy. And it kind of. Undid, you know, we can have ambitions in life, right? And earthly, man-centered ambitions are not really a good thing. And what was good, I was just like, you know what, this is good. I'm going to serve God and be faithful, go to heaven, that's going to be good. And the Lord was like, he said, do you want what you want or do you want what I want? And I was like, well, of course I want what you want. And he began to speak to my heart about fruitful labor. And he says, I have far more for you to do. Than what you're seeing right now. Get up. Basically in your spirit. Like I I want you to be ready for more than what you're seeing. Because there's more fruitful labor in front of you. And more to do than what you're seeing. That's a really precious thought Mike. But. Okay snap out of it. And there's this tension. That we live in. And the scripture is so beautiful. To be at home. With the Lord. To dwell with the Lord. Is better by far. But to live in this broken world. To live in this life. With its ups and its downs. With the glorious things that we experience. And with the traumatic things that we walk through. This life means fruitful labor. For those who are called by his name. And the reason that we're here. Rather than all of us just going, is that he wants more people in the family. And there's more fruitful labor for us. And I want to speak to you today. If you're in that place in life where you're going through a lot and it feels like trauma after trauma has come after you. I want to tell you this morning with great grace. Listen. God cares about what you've been through, but there is fruitful labor that he has for you. He hasn't just called you to endure hardship. That is not your lot in life. He has placed something inside of you that is beautiful, that is important, that is valuable. And by his Holy Spirit, he wants to draw that thing out of you to wash other people's feet. Fruitful labor. And you know what's right? What's right is that we live, that we fight for life, we contend for life. For those who are sick and perishing, it is right to fight for life because, uh, because sickness is a curse that Jesus has overcome. And death is the last battle to be won. And I want to tell you, he has won it through the cross. And there is no death that can overtake us. Because when we perish in this earthly vessel, we have a home with the Lord. To be away from the body is to dwell with the Lord. We can't lose. Yeah. 
But while we're here, fruitful labor. And while we're here, let's contend for life. And while we're here, let's live. I can't resist but say it. Live our best life. Because he's given us this life. And he knows that it's imperfect. And he knows the storms. He cares about the storms. But do you realize that as a believer in Jesus... There is no storm that is so great. There is no trauma that you have been through that overwhelms the story that by his blood, he has provided salvation for you and eternity with him. Y'all, the worst day for us gets really good. Yeah. And what Jesus is doing with his disciples is he's giving them an eternal perspective in a temporal place. You're going to go on living. And you're going to go on serving. And there are going to be ups and downs. <laughs> even the beginning of it, he's, he says, I'm comforting you before they're even going to face the trauma. There's nothing ahead of you that the Lord has not prepared to give you his grace and his mercy and to provide for you. It's already there waiting. And the more that we mature, the more we realize, no matter where we are and what we face, that he's already there and he already has what we need. And growing up as a Christian is, Lord, let me receive what I know you've already provided. And let me walk in it and receive this glorious peace and this glorious strength and all that I need. And the the perspective of heaven is supposed to give us this anchor that says, you know what, things are just going to get better for me. Because through everything that I'm going, I'm headed to a place. And I'm headed to a home that is this glorious, glorious home. Where I will be with him forever. A home better than the home you've made now. A home more glorious than the Grand Floridian. (laughs) Be it so. There was a guy with tails. I'm talking about coattails. Playing a Steinway. He's in there. I mean, it was glorious. Glorious. Elizabeth and I just, we just sat and held hands. (sighs) Take it in. Took a selfie. Living our best life. I want to encourage you this morning. um, One of the things that's really important for you in your life is that in your life, as much as we're talking about heaven today, we have to recognize that there is hell. And when Jesus talks to his disciples, he's talking to them about heaven because they believe and they're in faith and he's securing them. But one of the things you want to make sure is that you in your personal life, that you have received the work that Jesus has done to pay for your sins. He went to a cross and he took Everything that every one of us have done wrong in life, and he who had not sinned at all took all of that on himself and gave up his life to say, I'll stand in their stead and I will pay their penalty. Now that's an amazing love right there. And he did that to make a way for us to be freed from our sin, to be forgiven for our sin. To be released from the power of needing to sin. And to ongoing provide for us. Even as we could mess up along the way. Such a great provision. And it's on each one of us. 
to receive that personally in our lives and to say, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I want to follow you. And this amazing thing happens when you make that decision to say, Jesus, forgive me. And I want to follow you. I want to know you. Is that he gives you a new life and he brings his Holy Spirit. In. And it, it is like the sky is blue, but all of a sudden it's bluer. It's like life just looks different. And I'm not promising you like the easy, easy life all, all the way through. But I will tell you this. It is far better. And it's full of real life and real provision. Jesus does not want any one of us to perish. It says it in scripture. He wants for us to say, yes, forgive me and let him be the one who paid for our sins. But when we don't allow him to do that, that means we are apart from him and we pay for our own sins. And that is what hell is about. And we don't want any to perish. And I just want to encourage you. If you're in that place where you go, I believe in Jesus, but I need to receive what he has done for me personally. Make today your day. Say, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. And if that is you today, I would love to pray with you today because that's the greatest decision you can make. You should have a date. You should have a place in your life where you have made that decision like a monument. Today is July the 7th, 2019. And it can be your day to make that decision. It's a great and amazing thing. And I just want to encourage you to do that because I don't share all of this with you and not create that on-ramp of, That's where we get on. And that's where we get on. Whether you're 8 or 88, that's how it works for all of us. Would you stand with me this morning?